So, I mean, do you think you can break 18 million this year? That's what we're shooting for. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is Jorah Lever. He is the CIO of the IDF's military police, which put him on a technology track. Or sorry, he was the CIO. He's now a serial entrepreneur that built six startups before Coro, which he's building with his three co-founders to be the go-to cybersecurity platform for mid-market companies. He's passionate about de-crapping marketing, which we love. Jorah, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. All right. How does a CIO in the IDF get excited about fixing marketing? Oh, it's a long story, and we have a little time. But I started in the technology track, uh, moved around uh, after leaving the military, and uh, ended up in the U.S. Uh, for about 20 years. And one of my uh, tracks that I took was I uh, worked for a marketing company as a technology guy. Uh, and then I looked at the marketing guys, and I thought, hey, you know, there's lots of – it's a lot more fun. So I decided to move into that direction. And that's how I ended up being a CMO after being CIO and chief security officer and all kinds of different things. Amazing. Okay. And then when did you leave and start Coro? What year was that? So we started Coro uh, in 2014. 2014. Okay. And for folks not familiar with the product, maybe tell an example, give an example of a customer and what they pay you for. What do they get? Okay. So our average customer is a mid-market company. Uh, that is very concerned about security, uh, secure, cyber security, I should say, um, and can't afford or deal with all the uh, uh, products that are out there to create a uh, cyber security environment for themselves. They would need to buy anywhere between six to 15 different products, uh, spend between 40 to $115 per user per month, and, um, and then deal with all uh, managing and integrating and uh, dealing with all of these platforms. And what we've done was we created a uh, single platform that takes care of all the security needs of a mid-market or a small business uh, company uh, for $7 a month um, and uh, just covering everything from their users to the devices they use, to the networks that they uh, connect through, to the cloud services, to their email, everything through one platform, uh, which is extremely simple to use. Sure, that's super. That's what when the average company signs up, how many seats do they typically pay for? Normally, our our sweet spot is around six hundred. Okay, around six hundred seats at seven bucks a seat, right? Yes. Okay, very cool. By the way, super cheap price for this kind of security package, right? Not cheap, affordable. The whole affordable. Point is, fair. <laughs> no, no, and I'll explain. I, I, we actually think that the industry is designed for the enterprise market. And therefore, it can afford to price itself that way. Uh, the enterprise market can pay 40, 50, 100 bucks per user per month. Uh, my customer can't. And um, really, what uh, the enterprise players have done was price it in a way that justifies the millions of dollars that they spend on marketing and on wining and dining their customers. And we come to the table and say, none of that. Focus on the customer. 
give them exactly what they need in a way that they can actually manage it for a price that they can afford. Yep. Now, uh, I want to go back and give the story of your first customer in 2014, but let's not bury the lead. How many customers are you working with now today? We have about uh, 4,500 customers on our platform today. Wow. Uh, And they they each have 600 seats? Not all of them. We have customers as small as 20 people and customers as large as 30,000. Oh, Um, wow. Yes. So uh, the sweet spot is the 600, 700 uh, okay. person. Customer. Okay. But is it, so is it fair to say though the total number of people <laughs> on the platform is something around two to three million seats? It's actually, it's actually very fair to say. You hit it almost exactly. Amazing. All right. Give me the backstory here. Tell me the story of how you launched, uh, closed your first customer. And if you can, without you know, breaching you know, any agreements, can you name who that customer was? We cannot name any customers. Okay. Nobody wants to be named in a security. Uh, how did you How did you find them then? Tell us the story. So the story is that we, very much like every other cybersecurity company in the world, started off as an enterprise play. Uh, we looked uh, to sell into the enterprise market. And uh, in that market, there are 2,700 vendors. So uh, fierce competition. And we noticed that while we were targeting these large players, the people that were actually interested in buying were mid-market and smaller players. And then we did a complete redirect. Uh, We looked at that market and we said, why have they not bought so far cybersecurity? And uh, understood what were the issues. The issues were complexity and price and dealing with multiple platforms. And then we decided to take take a break, redesign the product to fit that market, which is exactly what we did. We launched with uh, Secure Cloud in uh, 2018 and then uh, rebranded and launched a new uh, version of the platform just this year, uh, uh, renamed it Coral and uh, even made it simpler to use, um, more integrated uh, with uh, what our customers were interested in, which was mostly email and storage and endpoint devices. gave them something that was extremely easy for them to uh, absorb, manage, and, uh, and get the security and, they need. And Jor, you had obviously the major rebrand. You have new products coming out all over the past 12 months. What was growth rate, revenue growth rate, and percentage over the past 12 months? So we have grown 300% year over year for the last three years straight. Wow. Okay. Um, that gets harder to do once you're bigger. Absolutely. It's much easier to grow from 100K to 300K. It's much harder to grow from 6K, 6 million to 18 million. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's a whole different ballgame. So, I mean, do you think you can break 18 million this year? That's what we're shooting for. Mm-hmm. Is that a stretch goal or is that like you, that's a very comfortable goal for you? Nothing is comfortable, especially <laughs> not in today's economy, right? Uh, it's, uh, we, we can't take anything for granted. We do think that our product is, uh, uh, has, it's a very unique uh, market product fit where the market really needs what we offer uh, and we offer exactly what they need for the price that they can afford. And Jor, it's fair to say if you're growing at 300% year over year and you're planning to end this year at 18, is it fair to say you closed last year north of six, something like that? It is fair to say that, yes. That's great. Now, where is most of this growth going to come from? Do you think it's going to be from adding new seats across the current 4,500 customers or adding new customers altogether? It's adding new customers. Our, um, even though our uh, churn is a negative churn, because how uh, negative? Uh, it's uh, we're at one hundred and three percent. Okay, so one hundred three. Not that's not uh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> the, 
the, the, uh, the idea here is that our customers actually add seats, but that's not uh, the growth engine. The growth engine is uh, getting new customers on board either directly or to our uh, partners. Uh, we sell through uh, very, very uh, wonderful channel uh, partners, uh, MSPs, bars, and so forth. Uh, so about 50% of our revenue comes from that and 50% from direct sales. Can you share some of your top channels? Like, can you name one of the partners that you're really proud of? Um, I, I'm horrible with names. So no, I can't. What, is it like a company though? Or is it like an individual with a big YouTube channel? No, no, no. It's all companies. It's MSPs. It's managed service providers. These are people that... Ah. Uh, do IT on behalf of uh, companies that don't have an internal IT team. Interesting. And now, yeah, because I and so I imagine because I was going to catch you on this, right? You said you said you had two million seats. Well, two million seats, right? At seven bucks a seat would mean you're doing fourteen million of monthly revenue, which obviously you're not, and that's because a lot of those seats are either not paid or that these resellers are keeping most of that seven dollar margin. So uh, we do have a freemium model. So our freemium model is all about uh, free monitoring for life. And then if you want us to also do the uh, mitigation on your behalf, then that's when you start paying. I see. So we do have lots of people on our platform on the, uh, on the free monitoring side where they get alerts. This is a little bit of uh, old school cybersecurity where uh, platforms send you alerts and tell you when things go wrong and then expect you to fix it. Our platforms, AI engines can go in and fix cybersecurity issues on your behalf. And that's when you start paying. I got it. So based off my quick calculations, you've converted something like 150,000 of the 2 million into actual paid seats, correct? Correct. And so how do you get more? I mean, can't you penetrate that? I mean, that's that's not a horrible conversion rate free to paid, but can't you, don't you think there's room there to expand and get that conversion rate higher? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and that's a major focus for the organization. Our growth historically has also come from getting people into the freemium and then moving them on to the paid. So we are, uh, if our growth has been so far completely uh, organic through new customers coming in, we do expect, uh, and the reason we've invested in giving people uh, a freemium product, which obviously costs us money, is exactly for that reason, because we want to convert them into uh, paid customers uh, within a reasonable period of time. All right, if you guys are like me, you're traveling a ton and I am working out of the Delta Lounge in Austin, Texas or Barcelona or San Francisco constantly or at local coffee shops. What that means is I see that you know network pop-up up here that says, you know, connect, and then I'm connected and then I use it. Well, these are open public networks and these are one of the easiest ways for hackers to get into your computer and your accounts, steal your information you don't want them to have. This is when I started researching VPNs. It was really because my YouTube channel got hacked a while ago, a couple weeks ago, I couldn't figure out how. And so I just wanted to make everything safer. So I found NordVPN, which is sort of the go-to. I mean, they're growing very quick. It's what everyone's using now to protect their networks for online privacy creating anonymity when they're viewing things online from these public networks. I encourage you guys to get your own account set up. Now, I reached out. They told me they give you guys a special deal, an exclusive NordVPN deal if you use this link. The deal is you'll get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month free. They'll also give you all your money back within 30 days if you're not happy. Check out the deal at nordvpn.com forward slash my last name, Latka. That's N-O-R-D 
vpn.com forward slash L-A-T-K-A. Draw, you have to teach us about this. My audience is always asking, Nathan, have people on that are successfully doing freemium to paid. You're doing it. So what's the playbook? How are you currently converting folks from free to paid? Oh, providing value. It's very simple. Can you quantify it though? Like, are you using Snowflake to track engagement metrics and then optimizing for those specific engagement metrics before they hit the paywall? Can you like get detailed there? So the the value that we have is a little different. You see, what we're doing is we're providing them for the first time visibility into their real uh, risk environment. So we're for free. They're being they connect to our platform. They deploy us onto their email and onto their endpoints and onto whatever it is that they're using, their storage systems or whatever. And then suddenly they start getting visibility into the, the scary stuff that might be happening. And once they start seeing more and more of those alerts and they, they realize that they are at risk, uh, it's uh, a relatively easy step over the paywall where they say, you know what, I don't want to deal with this risk. Let Coral do that on my behalf. Uh, so, and then we uh, jump in and take care of all the risks and they, they get nice reports on a daily basis of you know, uh, all the terrible stuff that could have happened because that, that is a major lesson right there, guys. If you can, if you can emulate that in your business, right? If you don't convert to paid, here are all the bad stuff that could happen that we're going to make not happen for you. That's, I think, a great analogy applicable to anyone doing freemium to paid SaaS. Indeed, indeed. It's just easier for you to say the bad stuff because literally your website's hacked or your emails, you know, phishing attack or whatever. Our favorite story is uh, it's the it's the CEO. Um, who uh, suddenly uh, their IT guy sees that the CEO is connecting to their email uh, from a country they're not in. Uh, and, and then they realize, oh, crap, you know, somebody hacked my CEO. And I found out by mistake. Um, and now I need to react to this. But what if I weren't asleep? What if it was 3 a.m. in the morning when this happened? We are, we're, our machines, our AI, the, the beautiful part about having machines do the work that normal humans do is machines don't sleep, don't, yep. don't take breaks, uh, and uh, don't go on strike. So they, they just run in the background and do uh, all of the, uh, mostly in cybersecurity, it's menial tasks. It's constantly monitoring and running around and doing what in the cybersecurity world is called chasing events. And uh, what we do is we let the machines chase the events and let the humans deal with the really important stuff and not deal with, you know, just, just turning on and off or re, re, uh, uh, sending a new password to someone or uh, identifying when someone's email has been uh, infiltrated with malware or something like that sort. Mm-hmm. Now, Jor, before we wrap up, we obviously love to learn about how founders fund their business. So did you bootstrap or have you decided to raise capital? We raised capital from day one. Uh, we were part of a, uh, uh, a, uh, a word. Uh, an accelerator? An accelerator, yes. Thank you. We were part of an accelerator. Uh, and then we raised uh, money over the years. Uh, we've raised over $125 million so far. Yeah. Um, so break, break that down for me. The first round was in 2016, I believe. How much was that for? No, the first one was in 2014. We, oh, 2014. Uh, we started, yes, we started with a seed uh, round of 1.5 million. 
Um, and then we just uh, did our C round of uh, 80 million. And then uh, in between, we raised another uh, 35 million. Yep. I, I think what, what the, uh, the B was in 2018, I think, for 20, yes. something like that. And and did you raise? It was a report of the Series C was for sixty million. Was it really eighty and twenty million was secondary? No, it's it's really um, so the official C round was sixty, but we raised another twenty just before that. So ah, okay, we prefer to look at it as an eighty uh, in total. For, and did you create? You've been doing this. Your early employees have been with you since 2014. Did you use this as an opportunity to create a little bit of secondary opportunity for them or no? We have not had a okay. secondary yet. Was, uh, tell me why. I mean, it, founders, there's not a right or wrong answer here, but why did you decide not to do that? Well, <laughs> part of it is because the founders and the employees believe in the organization that they don't want to give up their equity. This is, uh, we believe that we are in a position to dominate one of the uh, only blue oceans left in cybersecurity, which is made in small business, mid market and small business. The entire industry is focused either on the consumer market or the enterprise market. There is a massive market in between. Mm-hmm. Got it. Thanks. I mean, I think the question is less about do people believe in the company or not. It's more about there's a newly married couple who's been with you since 2014 and finally want to have a kid or buy a house and all of their net worth is stuck in the business and they'd like to buy a house. How do you help them do that? Uh, well, we pay very competitive salaries and we have great benefits. So it's, it's not about the exit. We've never ran the organization uh, with the, uh, the goal being an exit. We've built the organization, all of our employees are behind us on that by uh, having a vision on writing a wrong and being the dominant player in the market. Mm-hmm. And the wrong that we're writing is actually the fact that this huge uh, segment of the economy has been completely neglected mm-hmm. by the industry. Couple last questions here, Drawer. Uh, the Series A you raised, that was in, I think, 2016. How much was that for? Uh, if I remember correctly, that was around four and a half or five and a half. I don't remember the exact. Five and a half. And would there, I mean, it sounds like you ha- followed a pretty standard fundraising path. Is there anything looking back you would have changed or done differently? Not really. I think that uh, the, the key thing that we've done right was we've selected uh, to partner with investors that really believed in our vision. Uh, so um, JVP, who has been with us literally from the seed days until today, they've invested in every single round. They've led every single round until the last one, until the uh, CDC. Um, you know, it's very important who you partner with. And we took that decision being that uh, uh, all of my partners and I have been around the block several times. We realized how important it is who you partner with uh, and uh, we've made a very conscious decision to go with JVP, and they've been a phenomenal partner all through uh, these uh, these uh, seven years. And that's Jerusalem Venture Partners. Drawer, going yes. back, do you remember which year you passed a million dollar run rate? Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Yes. Okay, so after you passed a million dollar run rate, after you raised that twenty million Series B. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, you were really able to, to sell people in on a vision then. Your revenue is fairly young for a Series B company. Absolutely. 
Wow. Okay. Very cool. All right. Anything I missed you want to touch on before we wrap up? I don't know. You, I think this is a great story. I think we learned a lot from you. So I think we can wrap up number, uh, number one. Well, actually, no, I'll ask you one. I'll ask you one last thing. Uh, sure. Most folks in their series C are selling, you know, five to 10% of the business. Were you guys sort of in that same range? I can't disclose that. <laughs> you can't say if you followed the standard path or not. We follow a relatively standard. Yeah. We try to think. Well, I'm sure you've seen the news reports on what the valuation was. So well, you can... closed before that though, right? Hopefully you closed before the sort of market took a dip. Oh no. So, so TechCrunch reported that our valuation was 500 million. Is that so accurate? It's very, it's very close. Okay. Very close. That post money or pre? Uh, it's uh, post. Post. Okay. Very cool. Well, listen, we're rooting for you. This will be a fun story to track and follow. In the meantime, though, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, I'd have to say Blink. Blink. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Elon Musk. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Coro? Oh, that's a great question. So we have a few, but I guess HubSpot was huge for us. Okay. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Four and a half. Four. That's not a lot of sleep. Founders don't sleep. How do you survive? That feels unhealthy, but maybe you're superhuman or something. Lots of caffeine. I see. All right. And what's your situation? Draw married, single kids? I am married to a wonderful wife and I have two beautiful daughters. Two kids. And how old are you? I am 53. 53. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Oh, invest in, uh, invest early. <laughs> Guys, there you have it. Coro.net launched back in 2014. They were helping mid-market companies with team sizes of call it 200 to maybe 1,000 quickly beef up their security and their security stack with, uh, with affordable pricing, high value pricing, seven bucks a seat on average. They've just broken call it about a $12 million run rate up from 6 million just six months ago, growing 300% year over year as they scale, just closed a series C, 80 million, 500 million post or somewhere in that range, serving over 4,500 enterprises as Drawer looks to scale and continue scaling this year. Drawer, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you very much.